would you take your Bibles this morning, go to the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter. As you're doing that, let me welcome those who are joining us today uh, in our campuses, as well as those who are joining us on television today. And we welcome you to this day. I'm starting a new series today. Uh, so let's get ready to see what God's going to speak to us uh, over the next several weeks as we talk about kingdom lifestyle. Would you say that with me? Kingdom lifestyle. Let's say that again. Kingdom lifestyle. Now let me tell you something about the kingdom lifestyle. The kingdom lifestyle is different than this world's lifestyle. Now that, that may sound real simple, but I think it's not. I think that even though a lot of times we come into the kingdom of God, we leave uh, the world system in our minds, we still find our lives living that way. Let me, let me tell you something about this kingdom that I'm going to be talking about over the next several weeks. This kingdom is in your mind, it's an upside down kingdom. Now here's why I say that. It is antithetical. It is the exact opposite of how you've been taught to live your entire life. Uh, when, when you got to this planet, uh, when you arrived here, whether it was a spaceship or through your mother's womb, you, you found out that there was a way that this planet operated. And that was this. Get all you can, can all you get, and then set on your can. And yet in God's kingdom, God's kingdom is different. God's kingdom operates differently. And so what we have to do is that we have to have uh, not just a, uh, a transfusion from, uh, from this world to the next, but we have to have a transformation in our mind. We have to learn how to live differently. And so over the next several weeks, I'm going to be talking to us about the process of how that we go about living this kingdom lifestyle. What is it that, that God has called you to do? What does it mean to be a, a Christian in this world? And how do we live as believers day in and day out? I want to tell you uh, that there was a research done a few years back, uh, several years back now, I have to say, uh, when I read this report. And it was done during the time of when the religious right was really uh, coming to the forefront. And, and all the things that were happening back then, back in the late 70s, early 80s. And so uh, there was a media consultant group that decided uh, to survey uh, Christians. They said, man, if there's this many Christians in America and, and all these people that are here, we need to find out how to market to them. Now, how many of you know uh, that Fortune 500 companies want to know how to get your money? Right? And so they did this massive research that was done across the board with thousands upon thousands of Christians. They did this testing with them. And, and when the testing was all done, when they went back to these Fortune 500 companies, they said, listen, you don't need to change one thing. They said the exact same thing that works for a person who is not a Christian also works for a person who is a Christian. Now, I want to tell you, the reason that that is is because we have not learned how to live this kingdom lifestyle. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how do we come to that place of day in and day out living this thing called the kingdom lifestyle. The book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, if you'll look there, uh, gives us, it, it's kind of the last part uh, of a story that's been going on. But, but verse 6 says this, And when Jesus was in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. 
But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? Now today, as we talk about kingdom lifestyle, here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk about when waste is worship. Now, in, in our way of thinking, I, I don't know how many of you grew up in families uh, that were, were cost conscious. Any, anybody grew up in a family that, that uh, kind of believed in saving everything? You know, your, your, uh, your, your leftovers became served overs and warmed overs for, until it was all eaten. And, and, and uh, you, you know, there, there, there were some of you that grew up in, in homes that they, they wanted to save electricity so much the, the, the biggest wattage bulb they bought was a 25-watt bulb, you know, and it's kind of hard to read in total darkness. And, and, and you know, and, and you grew up, some of you grew up back in the day in the Depression and, and during World War II and some of those times, and, and, and you remember how that you had to save everything and everything became uh, so, and, and, and because of that, what has happened to us? And hey, let, me, let me ask this question. How many of you grew up in families that, first of all, you had to eat some of everything that was on the table, and you heard this refrain, Clean your plate, son, daughter, because there are starving kids in and you fill in the blank. Right? I mean, you know, there were a lot of us that grew up that way. And because of that, we've got almost this miserly mindset. We, we've come to that place where, where we literally live with this thought process of, man, we got to keep it, you know, we got we to gotta, we gotta reserve this, we got to keep that. And, and yet, when you begin to read Scripture, you find out that God is an extravagant God. I mean, God's the God who uh, just spoke worlds into existence, and, and they're telling us now that with the Hubble Space Telescope that, that can see into the farthest galaxies that man has ever been able to see, that as far as they're seeing, they believe that there's even more that's out there, that there literally is just a continuation uh, of God's creative ability, that when God said, let there be, He never has stopped. Now, I, I don't know, I, and, and we, we won't go too far here. You ready? I don't know if there's life on other planets. It doesn't bother me if there is. Maybe it does some of you. But isn't it, boy, you, I got some strange looks on Alan. But, but isn't it interesting that God, the, the Bible says God said, let there be and there was, and there's no taking back of let there be. And so there's just this continuation uh, of the galaxies that are being formed. There's just a continuation of the stars that are spinning off. All of these things are continuing. God, I mean, have you ever looked at nature? I was sitting in my office yesterday, and, and the wind was blowing. I was looking out my window, and, and, and usually the, about the only thing I can see, my, my office is, is facing this new building, and so basically I, I get to see the the back of a building it's a real thrilling sight and, and and anyway but but if I turn my gaze a little bit I can see some trees and so I, I was sitting in my office before prayer and 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 I was I was looking out and, and I begin to see the wind begin to blow pretty good and I watched the trees as they begin to move and, and it was almost I, I was reminded in the Psalms where it talks about the trees clapping their hands and and as I looked at that I thought you know what what a great God we serve he, he could have created this earth without trees, but he just decided to give us some. He, he, could, have, he could have created this earth uh, with, with, without oceans to be polluted. 
won't go any further with that. And, and he, he, he could, I mean, all these things he could have done. And yet, because of his extravagance, he just creates and, and it just comes about. And there's all kind of things that are out there that we will never, ever use up. We'll never, ever, I mean, come on, have you ever seen a desert? Have you ever seen the sand in the Sahara Desert? What in the world are we going to do with all that sand? Have you, hey, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever been uh, to, to the big, big hole in the ground? You know where I'm talking about, Grand Canyon? How many of you have ever seen Grand Canyon? I, I, can, I can remember as a kid, we, we took a trip, and, and, you know, we drove for, I don't know, 78 days or something. Okay, it just felt like that. And I can remember we got there, and I, and I had this, you know, I've been to my, we're going to the Grand Canyon. We're going, and, and I, had, I'm, I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I was a kid. I was barely, you know, I don't even know if I was in my teens yet. And, and I remember I, I got out, and I walked over as close as I could to the edge without, you know, people freaking out. And, and, and I got there, and I looked down, and there was a hole in the ground. Now, it was massive, I agree. It's big, but I stood there for about, I don't know, three minutes, and I was done. And I thought, where do we go now? We've driven all the way to see this thing, and I'm done with it after three minutes. And, and yet God is that kind of a God that he just creates things. things just, he just brings things, the, the Word of God says, for our enjoyment. And yet, our problem is, is that we live life with a miserly mindset. You, you know, a lot of us uh, ha have this, this whole thing about saving and the whole thing about keeping and, and, and making sure. And yet, God's nature is to give. How many of you know that the Bible says God is what? Love, right? Y'all didn't know that? Right? Does the Bible not say God is love? Now, let me tell you something about love. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And if, if the character of God, if the very nature of God is love, then God is a God who just gives. And, and so what needs to happen to us, if I am going to learn how to live in this kingdom lifestyle, I am going to have to learn uh, to take things that seem like it's wasteful at times and just use it because God chooses that in my life. Take your Bibles today and go to the book of John, the 12th chapter. In just a few minutes, we'll get there. It's a parallel story to what I just read to you out of Matthew. And so, uh, in, in Matthew, it kind of gives us the setting, but, but John 12 kind of goes into the story a little bit more, and it's a, it's a second setting that this happens at. Uh, and and it's, a, it's at the home of, of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And, and, and Mary does the same thing that we see happening there in the book of Matthew. And, and as I begin to look at that, I thought, you know what, uh, th it's interesting when you begin to look at uh, the, the whole process here uh, of what's taking place. Uh, the, the Word of God says that Jesus went to Bethany. Now, I looked that word Bethany up, and, and you know, that Bethany sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, right, Bethany, that's nice. I hope nobody's named Bethany when I get done with this. If you are, I'm sure there's another meaning to this. But the word Bethany literally means house of misery. Wow, house of misery. So Jesus shows up in the house of misery. Have you ever been there? Come on, I've, I've been there a few times. I've, I, didn't know it, I didn't know the name of it. 
but I've been at Bethany a few times, and, and Jesus shows up, uh, and, and the Word of God says, well, let's just read it. Look, look in John 12, uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Now, this, this is an interesting story. I, I think probably in Scripture, if there's any story that we need as believers, this is probably the story. Because this is a story about someone taking something and wasting it on the Lord. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but I am very conscious about waste. I, again, part of just the way I was raised. I, I, you know, I, I don't like to waste things. And yet, this, this passage here, this, this chapter in, in John, just brings about something that we need to learn if we're going to live in this kingdom lifestyle. And that is, when God blesses us with something, He does not bless us with something so that we can just hold on to it. He blesses us with something so that we can disperse it and be a blessing to someone else. And yet our problem is, is that we think, we, we kind of have what I call a pie mentality. Now that doesn't mean that you like to eat pie, although I do. Here's what I mean about the pie mentality. The pie mentality means this, that if in the process of life that you and I give somebody else a slice of the pie then that's going to mean one less for us. And so every time we give something away, every time we release something to someone else, or we release something into the kingdom of God, our mentality is, is that we are suffering. Instead of understanding a seed mentality. The Word of God says in the book of Genesis, as long as the earth remains, there shall be seed, time, and what? Harvest. Okay, God says, listen, I, I want to set this up in the very beginning. In the book of beginnings, I want you to understand that as long as you are upon this earth, that there is going to be a process of seed, time, and harvest. And if you will learn to live with that mentality, you will live with an abundance mentality instead of a miserly mentality. Instead of coming to that place where the, you are constantly aware that you have blessed somebody, you are constantly aware that you have given to somebody, you will say every time that God gives you the opportunity to sow into somebody else life and that sowing may be love that sowing may be kindness that sowing may be generosity of some sort but every time you do that instead of feeling as though somebody took a piece of your pie you all of a sudden say wait a minute I just sowed into God's kingdom and God's told me as long as the earth remains there's going to be seed time and harvest that he is a supplier that he is truly, the word there says, he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, your provider. And, and so when, when you begin to live that way, things look a little differently. Now, when, when you study this whole context, and we'll go through it this morning, what you find is this, is that, that Mary brings an alabaster box 
And, and while Jesus is sitting there uh, at the table with Lazarus, uh, she begins to weep at, at his feet. Uh, she takes her hair, she, she, she washes in his feet uh, with her hair, and then she takes this alabaster box. Now, uh, we don't really understand this whole process of alabaster box, but here's what the alabaster box was uh, for, according to most scholars. It was for her dowry. It was for her, her when she was getting ready to get married. Now, if, if you were in, now, in our Western culture, we do not understand dowry very well. Uh, but, but let's say you were in Kenya. In fact, we, when, when we go to Kenya, uh, one of the things that I'll ask our pastors is, is, is uh, how many cows did your wife cost? Now, that doesn't do anything for you guys, does it? I mean, if I were to come and ask you, how many cows does your wife, did your wife cost, you'd, you'd be offended. And if you weren't offended, your wife would sure be offended. All right? But, but in Kenya, the more cows that your wife cost, the greater that she is, the more beautiful that she is, the better cr- tribe that she came from, et cetera, et cetera. That's the dowry uh, that, that is paid. But, but in that is, is that the wife brings things into the, to the wedding, uh, into that place as well. And so in the process, what we find is, is that Mary takes that which has been given her. She has been storing this away year after year after year. Uh, one scripture says that what she brought to the Lord that day was worth a year's wages. Now, I, I want to just mess with you for a minute. I, I want to just take a kind of a, a median income. I, I want to say that that day, Mary wasted $40,000. Did that get your attention? I mean, can you imagine just coming in and in one moment, just in the moment of time, of taking something that is worth $40,000, thousand dollars and just dispersing it and wasting it no wonder the bible says there in the book of matthew that the disciples were indignant i mean they're going what is wrong with that in fact one of them said uh, a little bit later well couldn't we have taken that and sold it and used the money for the poor that, that sounds right doesn't it i mean that that sounds that sounds like something that we ought to do. Well, let's take care of the poor. And yet Jesus said, listen, the poor you have with you always. Some of you need to learn that. You have family members that they're going to be doing this till the day you die. The poor you have with you always. Just love them and keep moving. That's just a word of advice there, okay? When, when you begin to look at this whole setting, though, what you find is, is that there's a process when waste really is worship. Now, sometimes waste is just waste, right? But there's a process to make waste worship, and I want to quickly give that to you this morning. The, the, the first part is found there in verse 1 and 2 where it talks about Lazarus who had been raised from the dead. The first thing this morning is this. Waste is worship when it is done in thankfulness. When Mary comes with this alabaster box, she is not just coming because Jesus has shown up in her house that day. She is coming because her brother who was dead is now alive and it is all because Jesus showed up and said, Lazarus, come forth. Now I want to ask you something this morning. Has God ever done anything in your life that was supernatural? 
Has he ever done anything for you that you can look at and say, man, oh man, if God had not done this on my behalf, I would not be here today. Amen? I mean, I know a lot of things God's done for me that are supernatural. And you know what? When I come into the presence of God, whether it's my worship with my hands and uh, whether it's my worship with my singing, whether it's my worship with my giving, it doesn't matter what it is, then, then I remember those things that God has done for me. The book of Romans, the 12th chapter, and, and verse number 1 says that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. The New International Version says, which is our spiritual worship. When I come into the presence of God, when I live my life day in and day out, I am to present my body as a living sacrifice unto God. And God takes that and he says, you know what, that's worship. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the Lord not to just see me on a Sunday morning and say, oh, he's worshiping today. I want the Lord to look at my life every day and say, Eddie is worshiping today because he is presenting his body as a living sacrifice unto me. Amy Grant has a new song out. I don't know how many of you are Amy Grant fans. I don't really care. She has a new song out that talks about better than a hallelujah sometimes. And she talks about, the song is about that sometimes a drunkard's cry is better than a hallelujah. Sometimes a soldier's prayer is better than a hallelujah. There are times in our life we think that worship is all about what happens in the four walls of a place we call church. And yet, worship is what I do daily. And when I am thankful, when I live life thankfully unto God, you know what? My whole attitude changes and waste becomes worship in my life as I live out day in and day out what God has called me to do. Well, look in verse number 3, if you would. The first part there says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. The second way uh, that waste is worship is when it is done without counting the cost. I've said sometimes that the most militant thing some people do in the kingdom of God is when they give an offering. I mean, there are some people that George gets a headache when he's given on Sunday. You understand what I mean? I mean, they hold that dollar bill so tight that when it's pulled through, George Washington's head hurts. Listen, when I live my life without counting the cost, when God asks me or God directs me, and, it does, and it's not just about money, when God directs me in any portion of my life and I just do what he tells me, have you ever just done something when God prompted you to without counting the cost? Or, do, or, or are you one of those anal people that you have to have it so figured out that the pluses and the minuses and the balance sheet, and you, you, know, you live your life from a spreadsheet. And I know some of you do. You accountant types love those things. 
But there are times in your life that you have to be willing to say, this is what God is asking of me. This is what God is requiring of me. And if I'm going to live a kingdom lifestyle, I'm just going to live out. I'm not going to count the cost. I'm not going to stay up at night worried about what it's costing me or my family. But I'm just going to do what God has called me to do. Next part of that verse says, and she anointed the feet of Jesus. The third way that waste is worship is when it is done for an audience of one. Now, maybe you don't have anybody in your family like this, but, but, but I know some people in somebody's family who love to do things for you, but they love for everybody else to know what they've done for you. Right? I mean, they, they love you. They'll, they'll come along. They'll bail you out. They'll help you. They'll do whatever. But then they make sure that everybody else in the family knows. Come on, y'all don't have family members like that? I'll share some with you. That everybody else knows what they, oh, I helped them again. Jesus one day watched the Pharisees. And, and the Pharisees are kind of like the Lord. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever. They don't change. And he watched them as, as they would come through and they would have somebody in front of them blowing a trumpet, literally blowing a trumpet before they gave their offering. And they would make a big show of it. And Jesus looked at that one day and he got so sickened that he told his disciples, he said, when you get ready to give, he said, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He said, do it. He said, don't do it for show. Don't do it. Don't do what you are called of God to do so somebody else will brag on you and somebody else will, will be pleased with you. He said, do it because you love God. And Mary comes in that day and she brings that costly ointment. She really doesn't care about anybody else that day. She's just doing it because she is so in love with Jesus and what he has done for her and for her family that she says, really don't care what everybody else thinks today. I just want to bring an offering. I just want to bring something to the Lord that everybody else is going to think is waste, but he's going to receive it as worship. Latter part of verse 13 says, and she wiped his feet with her hair. The, the, the fourth thing that we understand about making waste worship is waste is worship when it's done with humility. It's not done with pride. It's not done with arrogance. It's not done as though uh, to, to receive something back. It is done in the sense of saying, you know what? I, I mean, can you think of this? Can you think of a woman taking her hair and kneeling at a man's feet? And wiping his feet. I mean, you, you talk about humility. You talk about a woman who is so devoid of her self-awareness at this point that she cares nothing about anything except bringing worship to Jesus. I wonder what would happen to us if we got so in love with Jesus that we did not care what it cost us. 
that we would lay our pride aside. Now, and I want to tell you, I don't like to think that I have a lot of pride, but I do. Now, maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe you have conquered that. But I, I just know, I know me better than I know anybody. And yet, there are those moments, there are those times in my life that I have gotten past that. And in the presence of Jesus, it didn't matter anymore about me. It only mattered about him. And it's in those moments, I want to tell you, it's in those moments that things begin to happen that changes everything. The latter part of verse 13 says, And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. The fifth and final thing this morning is this, is that waste is worship when it is done to change the atmosphere. And I'm not going to count the cost anymore. I'm going to be wasteful. And as I am wasteful, he's going to receive worship. And when he receives worship, the word of God lets us know that he comes down and he inhabits the praises and the worship of his people. Thank you for tuning in today. Please join Pastor Couples next week for another message designed to help you successfully live the Spirit-empowered life. Please log on to our website at www.loveandtruthchurch.com or visit us in person on Oilwell Road in Jackson. And remember, God wants you to lead a Spirit-empowered life.